Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. This is our last chapter of Albert Olison's book, The Golden Chain, Chapter 18, The Glory Land. Through unending ages, the inhabitants of sinless worlds shall behold, in that garden of delight, a sample of the perfect work of God's creation, untouched by the curse of sin. Under the sheltering branches of the tree of life, the saved of earth shall associate with visitors from unfallen worlds as they come to worship the king of all. In the ages to come, this city, this redeemed planet, will be the center of dominion, power, and glory in the universe. To this magnificent capital, where gold is used for pavement, pearls for gates, and precious gems to ornament foundations, shall come the sinless created beings from far dominions in the vaults of heaven. Truly, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 When we reach that wonderful city, how archaic and outmoded will seem the methods of human life in which we now take pride. How useless will be the cars and ships, planes of our civilization, when the ransomed gather from all earth to worship upon the Sabbath day. In that land there will be no clumsy makeshifts of locomotion, for there the material is subject to the spiritual. The problems that intrude upon our minds now will have vanished, and we will be free to serve and worship our Maker. In our day, men desire to explore outer space. Space travel has captured the imagination of the multitudes, and great are the plans for the conquest of the outer regions, but the redeemed will have the opportunity provided upon a grander scale than ever mortal could imagine. Though fallen, man may be allowed to touch the nearer points in his little realm, the illimitable reaches of the universe are reserved for the faithful. The quest of knowledge, the desire to investigate, the urge for exploration are natural and proper in their place. They will be satisfied in eternity as the redeemed, the ambassadors of Christ, carry the story of redemption to all the universe. Many seem to have the idea that this world and the heavenly mansions constitute the universe of God. Not so. The redeemed throng will range from world to world, and much of their time will be employed in searching out the mysteries of redemption, and throughout the whole stretch of eternity, this subject will be continually opening to their minds the privileges of those who overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony are beyond comprehension truly the mind of men is overwhelmed by the promises of god concerning the future and the imagination fails in its attempt to convey the simplest facts about heaven no eloquence can match that exceeding and eternal weight of glory no description can portray the heavenly land. In that home that Christ is preparing, we may lay plans for ages or millenniums, and they will not be cut short by sickness or death, by weight of years or crippling accident. What glorious visions will beckon us to further effort as time stretches on forever and forever. There we shall all speak the same language, and no interpreter will be needed he who once dispersed mankind into a multitude of languages will as easily restore the universal language of the heavenly family. In the new earth, there will be no barriers of race or color, no strife or position or authority, 
no coveting or jealousy. Among all the redeemed there will be no signs of pride or vainglory, that evil thing which caused Lucifer to leave God's presence. Banished now are all the tendencies of the sinful nature that for so long held men in thrall. Think of the exaltation of the moment when we gather about the tree of life and for the first time partake of its fruit. Will we be there? It rests with us to prove our faith and to be counted worthy in that day. While the glorious gates open freely to all of the saved, it appears that future position and privilege are determined by the service that is rendered here below. I'll say that again in case I read it too quickly. The future position and privilege are determined by the service rendered here below. Many will enter heaven as culprits barely pardoned, while others like Noah, Abraham, Moses, Daniel, and Paul will doubtless be given places of honor. We do know that the sons of Jacob and the apostles will have their names emblazoned upon the gates and foundations of the New Jerusalem. John, Peter, and James, famous names of faith, will have their own mansions and they will be at home to all. While there will be degrees of honor, there will be no exclusive pride to block the association of those who are brothers in Christ. Wow, we can talk to them in person, brother and sister. So while the gift of everlasting life is equally free to every ransomed soul, a special reward of material and spiritual position will be accorded the outstanding characters. One thing is sure, whatever honor is accorded to any individual, you'll have no pride or covetousness. As to the glory of the capital, we read, The nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Revelation twenty-one twenty-four. And behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Revelation twenty-two twelve. Surely this according is revealed inside the kingdom, a reward of faithfulness. And though the eternal reward is not bestowed because of our merit, yet it will be in proportion to the work that has been done through the grace of Christ. Desire of Ages, page 314. There's a popular idea that the ransomed of the earth will do nothing but praise God continually in their heavenly home, while in the hearts of the saved there will be continual gratitude, which often breaks forth in rejoicing. There certainly will also be times of ordinary living. There will be challenging work in heaven. The privileges that Adam enjoyed in the first Eden will be extended to the millions of God's children. The postponed plans of the Creator will then be resumed, never again to be interrupted. To assume again the dominion of nature as first planned, to study the lessons of the Creator's handiwork, with no obstructing veil between, to explore the mysteries of life in every avenue of sense. These and countless other marvels yet unknown to us will be the adventures we shall enjoy. If even here men study for a lifetime the structure of a simple fern, what treasures will open to the minds of men when they are not limited by time or circumstance? If we can stand within the iridescent walls of that fair city, with meekness and humbleness of heart we shall be satisfied. In the future life there will be abundant time to attain all worthy ambitions in the condition of fresh and vital living, where we are never tired or brain-weary, there can exist no static state of being. The most precious blessing of heaven, without which all others are nothing, is a perfect love which will fill the hearts of all God's creatures. Greater than any manifestation of love is love itself, the all-powerful, strong, and tender bond of love by which the universe is drawn together. 
can never again be broken. The love of God cannot be described in writing or by word of mouth. It's the greatest emotion that can fill the soul. Even on this earth, converted men and women have felt its power. The martyrs have been sustained by its impelling force. Often in the ordinary course of life, we feel the warmth of God's tender affection, but in that future world, love will be perfect and complete. Divine love will flow outward from God's throne to the farthest planet of his kingdom, and it returns to him in the love of his creatures. As we look forward with our imagination to the heavenly home, where the redeemed are praising God, we remember what might have been had Jesus Christ yielded to the tempter. In our complacency, we take salvation for granted, but the Savior did not face life in this way. With agony of soul and meticulous care, he built the bridge that spans the gulf between us and heaven. In these few pages, we've attempted to explore some of the main points in the plan of redemption, but in the future, the glories of the divine plan will be unfolded to us and our perfect minds are able to grasp it as our perfect minds are able. Every atom of the universe is affected by the process of salvation. That's interesting. In heaven, our minds will open to vast wonders, but eternity will not exhaust the science of salvation. It will involve all the principles of knowledge, physical, mental, spiritual, to the increasing limits and appreciation of our amazed minds. May we never forget the centers of our redemption, the center of our redemption, Jesus Christ. Let us remember that redemption is no casual circumstance. It's the exalted masterpiece of the infinite, the spiritual insurance of everlasting righteousness. Treasure the following quotation. It is through the efficacy of the cross that the angels of heaven are guarded from apostasy. Without the cross, they would be no more secure against evil than were the angels before the fall of Satan. Angelic perfection failed in heaven. Human perfection failed in Eden, the paradise of bliss. All who wish for security in earth or heaven must look to the Lamb of God. The plan of salvation, making manifest the justice and love of God, provides an eternal safeguard against defects in unfallen worlds, as well as among those who shall be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Behold now and wonder, for by the cross is demonstrated at last the supreme wisdom of free will, the fundamental provision of omnipotence. The end. Let us meet at last there, brother and sister. We can praise the Lord together forever, for eternity. We don't even understand. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. May you be blessed today, brother and sister. I'm going to close with a quick little prayer. Dear Jesus, draw us to you, Lord, through your many and great sacrifices and sufferings on our behalf. In your name we pray. Amen.